Welcome to the ProWrestling.net All Access Daily Podcast for Tuesday, March 28, 2017. I am Jason Powell, and you are about to hear 28 minutes of a Colt Cabana interview that I conducted. We'll be talking about the Wrestling Road Diaries 3 documentary, comedy and pro wrestling, and a few other related subjects. Uh, The full interview is actually over 70 minutes in length, and we get into some of uh, Colt's early days in the pro wrestling industry. When I first started seeing him in Steel Domain Wrestling in West St. Paul, Minnesota, Uh, a little bit of uh, CM Punk talk in there. Of course, Colt uh, training with CM Punk back in the day, working a lot of those uh, Midwest indie shows with Punk. Uh, Also, we get into the subject of Ring of Honor and the rumors that uh, WWE is interested in purchasing the company. Colt working uh, color commentary now, the Supercard of Honor show, and much more. Again, the uh, full 70-minute interview is available exclusively for .NET members. And good news, you can sign up for as little as $2 for one month. We have our best membership a special of the year going on for six month and annual as well. It averages out to $4 if you take the annual option right now using the coupon codes. I'm going to direct you to the main page of ProWrestling.net to get those. Just look for the headline that says ProWrestling.net membership sale, $2 for one month. Uh, and once you're in there, you're going to find three different coupon codes. Use those when you sign up on the main page at ProWrestling.net in the, uh, in the sign-up area. And uh, once you are in there, uh, again, enter the corresponding coupon code, and uh, you can get ProWrestling.net membership for as little as $2 for one month. A great time to sign up, obviously, with WrestleMania weekend here. You can hear this full Colt Cabana interview, have ad-free access to the site, hear all of the audio content we have ever recorded. You want to go back and listen to old WrestleMania audio reviews, things of that nature? Great. You want to hear Sundays.net Triple Threat with myself, Will Pruitt, and Jake Barnett coming out of WrestleMania? Uh, You'll be able to hear that as well. Again, all the details available on the main page at ProWrestling.net. And one final reminder, join us on Sunday at 2 Central, 3 Eastern Time for the return of ProWrestling.net Live. Visit pwaudio.net on Sunday at 2 Central, 3 Eastern. Your phone calls will be welcome during the show, and we will also be doing live shows on Monday and Tuesday coming out of WrestleMania. With the business out of the way, enjoy the Colt Cabana interview. I am here with Colt Cabana, just a a heads up that uh, audio quality may be a little bit down from what we normally do, but that's because Colt is uh, on the road right now on heading to Cleveland, Ohio, from his uh, lovely home in Chicago. And uh, Colt, I, I guess I, I'm probably going to get in trouble if I label this one Wrestling Road Diaries for. I mean, you are on the road. Oh, uh, this is, it's kind of funny because uh, I, one of my ideas was to do Wrestling Road Diaries, the audio version, uh, like an audio documentary. So stop trying to steal my stuff, all right? All right. Well, well what if I don't like Wrestling Road Diaries 93? What are the odds you get that far up? Uh, at this pace, no. It seems to be you know every two or three years, so uh, you know maybe to thirty. I'll just I'll stick with the pro wrestling audio with Perfect. Colt Cabana. I I don't think there'll be any gimmick infringement there, but uh, I am here with the the Podfather, of course. Uh, hey. Colt Cabana's Art of Wrestling podcast, which I definitely want to talk about. But I want to start by talking about Wrestling Road Diaries three. How did they, sure. How did the Can concept I? for that? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, let me. St- uh, do you know who the, whose nickname is the Podfather? Who's that? Uh, Adam Curry. Do you remember him from MTV? I do. Yeah. He, yeah. He was like he was known as like one of the very very first podcasters 
in the early 2000s, like starting the genre, making it kind of big. And he, his actual nickname is the Podfather. So I don't want I, I, I appreciate the, the acknowledgement in the world of wrestling, but I don't uh, want to take anything away from former MTV VJ Adam Curry. Wow, I didn't know that. So the wrestling yeah. Podfather. Yeah, I'll take that. Okay, very good. Well, tell me about Wrestling Road Diaries 3, um, how the concept came about. Just uh, in general, I mean, it's a movie that I've seen that I really enjoyed, and I'm, I'm, as I told you, really looking forward to discussing this. Great, yeah. Um, so this is a series that uh, I, along with Daniel Bryan, started uh, to kind of uh, think about doing in the early or in the mid 2000s, and then I got signed to WWE, and we kind of put it on the back burner, and then I got fired from WWE, and uh, we wanted to reprise it and do this idea where we filmed the world of independent wrestling on the road because so at that time you know now it's kind of it's becoming trendy and a bit buzzy but back then like nobody even knew like how our lives worked i think they all assumed we were all kind of rich and you know as independent wrestlers we were like these just like nomad travelers vagabonds and uh we thought it was important to show and document our lives and uh sadly or unsadly you know brian probably less sadly you know signed with WWE, but we did have this window where we had set up this tour, so I kind of took it upon my whole self to kind of just set up everything and, and make it happen, and Brian and I did do the trip, and that was the first one, and it was so successful, and I love the idea of it, is that we wanted to do more, and so we did a second one with kind of a different idea of people coming back from WWE, and that was the second one with Gallows and Cliff Compton, as they were in the WWE, and now this is life back on the independents. And then this third one was about dissecting the world of a, co a comedic pro, pro wrestler. And, um, you know, at this time, I've, I've, I, I've, I've become really good friends with Grado. He's became this sensation in, in Europe, uh, the UK, and specifically Scotland, where he's a legitimate um, uh, a celebrity in Glasgow. Um, and he's on TV shows out there. And, of course, uh, Kikutaro, for any really diehard wrestling fans, know that he's, he invented slow-motion comedy or slow-motion wrestling. He's, like, he's basically a comedic wrestling legend in, in, um, in Japan with, you know, starting in Osaka Pro in the, you know, mid-'90s. Um, I think he's been wrestling since the early-'90s. So um, to get these three to go on the road to keep to the concept of traveling and documenting independent wrestling on the road, but also diving into comedy as something different from the other three. And that's kind of how uh, the idea of us three on the road uh, documenting this came about. Well, you mentioned, and I'm probably going to butcher the pronunciation of his name, Grado and Kikataro. Is that yep. close? Okay, good. Um, bringing that now, it, it, correct me if I'm wrong, you guys were filming this over kind of a, a long weekend of, of appearances? Yes. And did it kind of come together that way? Did you reach out to the promoters to try to make that happen, to get these bookings lined up with the idea that you were going to shoot this documentary? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the first one. That's kind of what I did is, like, um, we kind of bookend everything about Ring of, with Ring of Honor back in uh, 2009 when uh, myself, Brian, and Sal Renaro filmed the first one. And then we kind of reached out to promoters and said, hey, we're trying to do this. Would you like to book us? Which can't. You know, uh, there's like a company AIW in Cleveland where I'm going right now. They like they understood how cool this was that they'll be in this documentary forever and what great publicity it is. So they were like, "You let us know what date and we'll fill it." And I think, you know, we wrestled on a Thursday or a Wednesday in the first one for them. 
And so that's kind of um, that's kind of been it. Is I, you know, I, I mean, you know me, Jay. Like we've been, I've been wrestling for uh, this is my going on my 19th year. So wow. I have all, I have all these connections. I know all these promoters. I basically know every promoter in wrestling. So I'll reach out and I'll say, hey, you know, we're, we're thinking about doing this. Uh, do you want to run or are you running? Let me know. And uh, I'll kind of put up together a little tour. And was it difficult just because of the, I mean, these guys are not based in the United States. Was, was it difficult to get the promoters to go for that end of it? Or did you eat some of that? Yeah, I, it's a lot of it was in my production cost. So um, in the world of uh, Indiegogo and Kickstarter, um, you know, I, I, I kind of have a... Um, I don't know. I could see a little more long term. Is I'm I'm willing to put up the money. I'm the producer, so right. I bought the flight for Grado and Kikataro to come over. It was on my dime, but I you know, I I saw a bigger picture. So you know, they paid. You know, they got paid to wrestle. They also got paid by me to be in the mood. Um, and also, you know, I brought them over and and hotels and everything. But I I was playing bit promoter, bit producer, kind of a little bit of everything. Now, I don't want to get too far ahead without telling people where they can find it, of course. It's ColtCommanda.com in the merch section, or you can go directly to ColtMerch.com. And I'm on the page now, and I see that you know, for people who haven't seen the first two, there's even a, a looks like a combo pack that people can get. Why don't you tell people all the info on that and anything else you want to uh, plug regarding uh, Wrestling Road Diaries? Okay, you're in and out, but I'm pretty sure we're, we're plugging away. Um yeah, it's uh, a DVD, and uh, we, I still have some left where uh, everybody signed it. You'll get that if you order the hard copy. And then also the digital version is available at digitalcult.com, but I can all go through cultmerch.com or cultcabana.com. I probably have too many websites, but uh, the hard copy and a DVD. And, um, yeah, you can grab it, and there's also bonus options if you want it. And then, of course, I, I just redesigned my website, cultmerch.com, so on there, uh, you know, T-shirts, um I got little uh, micro brawlers that Pro Wrestling Crate just put out. I've got a button pack, um, and it's all me. I, I ship it all out. I do it all myself. I'm very proud of that fact. I haven't hid that. I know people have always been like, you know, they'll be they'll they'll email. I don't know the website and be like, can you tell Colts? And I'll be like, ah, it's me. And I'll tell myself, sure, no problem. So that's wow. kind of where all my stuff is, and all my dates are at coltcabana.com. And I'm on the road like 150, 200 days a year. So definitely coming around you wherever you're at. Now, I haven't seen the second uh, of the Road Diaries, but I did see the first and obviously the third. And I guess one of the big differences I'd noticed going from one to three like this is, I mean, one is great in its own way, but it, it this feels like a much tighter story. And it, it, it was this by design? Is that just kind of the progression of you as a filmmaker even? Uh, well, well, first of all, let's give credit to Jack Edinger, who edited it and... Um, you know, kind of directed the, the the second and the third one. So the first one was done by a guy named Eric Santa Maria. He used to he used to uh, edit for Ring of Honor back in the old days, and he had this vision of this like three hour movie, basically, kind of like a you know for wrestling fans, and um, and he did that amazingly, right? And then you know it's it's almost like almost been ten years or whatever. So the idea of kind of making the second and the third ones even sh- shorter into like a real proper documentary. And of course, uh, equipment and cameras have gotten so much better that everything yeah, is a lot more sharper in this one. The, the first one holds up because it's just crazy that you get to see Brian before he becomes this megastar. Right. Um, but the third one in terms of production value is amazing. And that's Jack Edinger who, you know, who gets all the credit for that. 
So much of the, I mean, it's, it's, I'm laughing from the start I, I, without giving it away. This, the FBI warning is great. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, I mean, just right from the start, it, it just gets you laughing and it just sets the tone for the movie. But one of the things I actually found myself really enjoying was a, there was a scene where a couple of fans really got to you uh, during a show, just being unruly fans, and you included that. You were You were down on yourself because you kind of, went off on these fans, I think you may have dropped an F-bomb or something, and you were, you were really uh, kind of kicking yourself. And, and I'm thinking, Colt controls the narrative. You could have easily left that on the cutting room floor, but you kept it in the film. What made you keep that in there? Yeah, I've gotten a lot of comments about that, too. And um, I, the, when I first saw it, I was a little worried, but then looking just looking at the big picture, I thought how important it was. Yeah. Be- because um, when I look at this, it's a documentary, and it's a movie, and it's not a best-of. And I remember going into it, like, hoping that, like, all these matches were hilarious and I was able to show everybody, like, how you put a, a comedy wrestling together and how great of a time it was. But it's a documentary, and when Jack kept that in, I just thought it was amazing. Um, and, and, like, I don't want to brag, but, like, I, I think it says a lot about myself that, right, that I was willing to, like, say, like, for the better of the movie or the better of the understanding of what we really go through, that you have to keep that in. Um and yeah, so you know, I could have made it a best of, but I, I wanted to show all sides of it, and that is—I mean—that happens a lot. And so, um, not only did I want to show the positives of comedy wrestling, and you see, you know, the crowd laughing, and us kind of, and you know, we have 20 minutes to form a joke, kind of within the ring, but you also see when it goes bad, when you when, and essentially there's hecklers. You know, it's a heckling scene, and how we deal with it. And it's not always just that easy. And so uh, I thought it was important. And that's kind of why I wanted to make sure, you know, I, or why I didn't say to, like, get rid of that. And I was uh, super positive about keeping it in. I thought it was great. Yeah, good call. I, I also came with just so impressed by your passion for comedic wrestling. It's something, you know, it's not just something that works for you. You just seem to have this appreciation of, of the entire art form. And, and maybe that's come through in the podcast at times. But I thought it was really cool, and it's just so well-documented here in this film. And I appreciate it, because, yeah, you know, and I hear criticism online of, like, you know, uh, we don't like that kind of cult, or, or you know, I, I wish Colt would wrestle, like, a, you know, like an AJ Styles-type match or whatever it might be. But at the end of the day, like, it's really what makes me happy, and it's, it's really... It, to do this for so long, like you can't just go out there and just do what somebody else wants you to do. You have to do what's in your heart. And for me, it's so easy to keep on doing all these journeys and traveling all these miles. You know, I, I, this year I'm becoming a million miler on, on United. So, wow. um, you know, like to do that kind of travel, like you have to love what you do. And I love to go and like, I love to make people laugh through wrestling, but I also love the process of like forming these jokes and forming these things and like trying to perfect it, which it never will get perfected, but you know, kind of like figuring it out on these matches and in these shows of like what works and why it works and kind of the psychology and the breakdown of it. And that's, that's a lot what keeps me going. I love doing that. Well, a cool thing too is you clearly have an appreciation for others who take a similar approach. And, and you know, there's so many stories about like Andre the Giant being very protective of being the only big man or the biggest guy in his territory. Like, didn't even get along with John Studd, that sort of a thing. Or was there ever a point in your career where you went through some of that? Like, hey, I, I want to be the funny guy here. You know, why, why are we putting other guys on the show? 
Um, you know, maybe a little bit. I mean, but even it's because I don't know. I love it so much, and I love comedy so much. So, like, when I see somebody else that does great stuff, like, I can't wait to watch their stuff. And like, so I guess I, I've known that. Like, I don't have that jealousy bug when it comes to other comedic wrestlers. When I saw Santino on WWE television, and I was like, "Oh my god, I love this guy," you know, like, and I really appreciate that. And, I, and I've said that when I did a podcast with him, you know, for the art of wrestling. But uh, there wasn't, you know, it, I could have easily been bitter about it. But Santino and Eric Young, I always thought were so fun to watch. And sometimes the only stuff I would watch, respectively, on TNA and WWE was those guys because that's what I enjoyed watching. Have you found? Yeah, I'm happy you mentioned Eric Young because I kind of had this. Not, I don't know, love hates are probably a harsh way to put it, but there's times, been times over the years where I just have kind of like grown. You know, the, the crowd might be laughing. And, and I wonder if it's more a product of the state of the company around him at the time, because he's awesome at what he does, when he, especially you know, when he was doing the comedy. Have you, have, in your, I don't know, I mean, you're working more independence. Obviously, you've worked for major companies as well, but have you kind of picked up that it, it can be tougher? to make comedy work when there's just kind of a negative vibe going on? Um, well, I mean, that's, of course, that's your opinion, and and it's all subjective nature. So yeah. when, when you had a negative um, maybe scope of what they were doing, you know, when, you, when, they're, when those wrestlers are there, for the most part, they're probably thinking it's great. So... <laughs> You know, I, I don't, th- and, and that could be them within that culture. So I'm sure, like, they just don't, you know, they don't want to say, like, the reality of the situation is maybe it's not positive. So as a performer, like, you know, I, I, I assume that he probably saw that, like, it was still in good light to where maybe other people saw it differently. But he was probably like, I still have cameras on me. I still have a fan. Uh, I still have fans. I still have people to cheer. I still have people to laugh. And so um, I, I don't know. I think when it comes to that kind of thing, it's like, you see people there and also if 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 it's like a dim situation people like i think like-minded to myself we see an opportunity to make people laugh to hopefully change that around so it's almost not as hard because um it's almost needed you know essentially the clown at the circus like we need hey it's time to cheer people up with you know the, the lions is a little scary let's lighten it up a little bit and that's kind of our job in that role at that situation that makes sense. Do you feel like you could ever have too much comedy on a wrestling show? Yes, of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, I think it's the, right. It is the circus. And we, we kind of get into that a little bit because when I started kind of really realizing what I was in my heart, and I think this was around 2003, 2004, um, you know, I, I started making this style my style because I was at Ring of Honor and that was the home of Christopher Daniels and Low Key and Samoa Joe and all these tough bruisers, all Japan influenced wrestling style. And the only way I could stand out was to do that, was to kind of bring a little more lightheartedness to my style of wrestling. And um, now I think as wrestling has become more tongue in cheek and people are obviously in on it, not that they weren't in 2004, but even more so now. And there's a lot of wink, wink, nudge, nudges going on during the shows. Um, people have gravitated more towards the style a little bit. And then, yes, like, uh, there can be too much. Um, I, you know, Dr. Tom would always say in WWE developmental, and he's known for this is 31 flavors 
you know, you want something different for everybody. And that's never been, that's, I think that's been people's motto for years, I think, is like, let's give some, a little something for everyone, diversify the show, give variety. And, uh, yeah, comedy has its place. Hardcore has its place. Uh, you know, brawling has its place. Strong style, high flying. I think a perfect show is a little bit of everything. Grado, it's, I'm so happy I saw this because seeing him in, when he was with TNA, um, and maybe he still is. I guess we just haven't we haven't seen him <laughs> lately. I, I'm not sure. But when right. he was, you know, when he was all over the television show, I'd heard so many great things. And I just don't see a lot of wrestling from the UK. I've got a couple of uh, staffers who who cover it, and they've had good things to say about him. And watching there is like, ah, you know, it's there's there's moments. But and like you say, it's all subjective. So there might be somebody else watching everything he did in TNA, just laughing their ass off. But for me, it was like I kept waiting for it to click. Seeing him in Wrestling Road Diaries 3, it just gave me such a new appreciation for Grado. Just maybe speak to uh, Grado the person and, and just kind of the, Grado the, the entertainer. So uh, it's a great, it's a great po- point that you make, and I couldn't agree more. And I'll, I'll, I'll make two points on that. One is that was the whole reason I've kind of started my podcast in 2010 was to show everybody – the side of people that maybe they don't get to see on television. And then you really become a fan of that person respectively. And then that's why you're able to appreciate them when you watch them on TV or in person. And Grado is a great example. In my head, Grado is not a wrestling star. He's a documentary star. Um, And yeah. And, and it's not just me because I'm going to recommend after this, you go watch. It's called The British Wrestler. It was done by Vice um, in like 2000, maybe 12 or 13. And so it's a, it's a big-time documentary about the Scottish wrestling scene. And he is the star of it. And again, at that time, he was, if you think he's a bad wrestler now, he was awful then. <laughs> but, but his personality, he's so charming. Just everything about him is so lovely. Um, and he really becomes a star through that Vice documentary, and then later uh, the BBC documentary that I was in with him when I was in Edinburgh a couple of years ago. He he really shines in that, and so then of course in the Wrestling Road Diaries, you, right? He shines as a personality, and then you fall in love with the guy, and then when you see him in person, or you get to meet him, or you watch him wrestle, you then get to understand why he's so affable, why he's so lovable. Um, and I think, right, it definitely comes out in this because he's lovable in it. And I, I think it gives people a better appreciation for him as a wrestler when you, when you get to either meet him or see him backstage or hang out or watch him hang out because he's, uh, he's the best. He's such a – everyone who, everyone who meets him falls in love with him. But the way – yeah, not to um, armchair book, but – if I was TNA, I would have just done documentary series with him on the television for for six months, you know, and they kind of just threw him in and said, be funny, where comedy's about situation, and it's very hard to go in there cold and just be funny like that. Now, you, you've done some stand-up comedy as well, I mean, just among the many things you do, correct? Um, yeah, I, I, when Mick Foley was touring around, I was doing some stand-up. I've done some storytelling shows. Uh, it's not my, like... I like I, I could tell wrestling jokes, but um, I do this comedy show when I'm in America with Marty DeRosa, and I do uh, for the uh, this August will be the fifth year in a row that I do the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, which is the largest comedy and arts festival in the world, 
And we do a show where we watch really weird, bizarre, obscure wrestling and wrestling clips, and we do commentary over it. And that's really my wheelhouse is um, nothing too scripted. You know, it's just kind of off-the-cuff, natural wit, watching this with a crowd and, um, and like, feeling the energy of the crowd and the clips and then kind of coming up with the humor on the spot, which is what I love to do in wrestling. So this show is great to translate to a stage show. It's kind of mystery science style. Very much, yes. Yeah, and boy, is it just me or have we seen a couple of things like that pop up in WWE maybe? Well, um, yeah, it's funny whenever WWE comes up with a thing that like I've touched upon. Um, a, because uh, I, I take a lot, I get influenced very much from the comedy world. And so, not that I steal, but like that's where I kind of take from and I get influenced from and I say, how can I morph this into the wrestling world? And then WWE is always usually about five years behind the mold. So um, I'll do something, and then and then somebody will realize, like, oh, this is the thing that we should do. So, yeah, when Josh Matthews and Road Dog was doing that thing, or, you know, they're doing kind of um, the Wrestling Road Diaries road trip on the network, or they started doing the cartoon stuff, which I had um, Mike Timpson do years ago on my YouTube. You can see some of the cartoon clips I do with the storytelling. Uh, you know, I, I, it's not like I came up with it and I don't think they necessarily like stole from me, but I think they're just a little bit behind the times that it just takes a while for them to, for an idea to like realize. And then by that time I've already done it, but I'm on such a smaller scale. So, you know, obviously there, it comes to light when they do it because they're WWE, they're, they're massive. I know I brought up stand up comedy because when you do a bit in the ring, essentially, I mean, are, is is there a lot of trial and error that maybe goes from one show to the next, almost like a comedian kind of working through a set, trying to figure out the best way to deliver certain lines? Yeah, and and it, and what's funny about that is I remember early in Ring of Honor, like, uh, not with comedy wrestling, but just wrestling in general. I remember be, all of the wrestlers, like in the early Ring of Honor locker room, we'd all talk about how we would try these spots or try these things on the smaller indie shows. And then we would compare the ring of honor shows to like the bigger shows, essentially like maybe like if you're a standup and you're filming an HBO special, you know, you try stuff on the road and then you, you hone it and then you do it during the special. And we kind of consider the ring of honor shows our specials. Um, same way with now, you know, years later is, um, and I guess I don't necessarily have a special cause I'm just, I, I keep myself non-contracted on purpose so I can just kind of go everywhere. And, um, yeah, so I, I'll, I'll, I'm always trying stuff and, like, trying to hone it, see what works, see what doesn't work, and kind of perfecting a bit or a spot or however you want to say it. And, and is there a lot of hit and miss where it's just like, eh, this one's never going to take. No matter, you know, I, I, I've done everything I can with it. I just got to give up on this one. As much as I love it, the people aren't getting it. Uh, well, I'm, I'm kind of a stubborn bastard like that, <laughs> so. I try to make it work, but yeah, of course there's stuff that like I filtered out over the years because it just didn't hit hard or it didn't get the laugh or the, the, the peak that I wanted to, but also it's, or it's something that I'll, I'll place in a different thing or I won't make it like the button on the end of a high spot. I'll put it in the middle that will lead to something else that will get a bigger reaction. Like it, I'll realize its place within the match as opposed to giving up on it. But if there's something that I think about that makes me laugh, like it made me laugh for a reason. So in my head, it's got a place out there and I just got to figure out where to put it. 
Now, you said you've done these every two, three years or so. I'm, I'm assuming there will be a fourth Wrestling Road Diaries. Do you have any concepts in mind at this point? Uh, yeah, I do. One of them was the audio one. I, I thought that would be a fun one to do and probably easier and cheaper but harder for me to edit personally because I'd probably edit that because I'm good with, for the years of podcasting, I'm pretty good with audio editing. Um, and I've done, like, I've done an audio special. Uh, if you go to um, Stitcher Premium or Howl.fm slash Colt, I did an hour-long audio documentary on the uh, on the uh, the Gathering of the Juggalos in 2013, which is kind of cool. So um, I'm, I'm decent with that kind of stuff. But uh, I, um, doing one in Japan has come to it was an idea I wanted to do. Also, uh, if you've listened to some of my podcasts, like I just done one with a guy Dean Allmark and. There's this circuit where uh, the British wrestlers go to holiday camps and wrestle, kind of like it's like kind of like the equivalent of like Santa's villages all over the UK. Yeah, uh, yeah, and so that's um, that's a scene that really isn't documented much, and that's something that I did very early in my career in 2003 for a whole summer, and um, something that people really don't know about. And I thought that would be really cool to to, to meet up with some of the UK wrestlers and do like a long in the holiday camps to document that so those are a couple of ideas I've been floating around. Now, And when people pick up Wrestling Road Diaries 3 at ColtCommanda.com or ColtMerch.com they can also, if they listen to this soon enough and, and jump on it before it kind of moves behind a paywall, check out a podcast commentary that the three of you did on this, correct? Well that was part of my podcast is that, yeah. that was kind of like, that was kind of my commercial for the podcast and I've done that for every one is we'll either do a live one or we'll do kind of a I think I changed it up this was we were driving in the car and just talking about the movie as we were ending the movie so yeah that was uh, Art of Wrestling yeah that might that might be still available or, or it probably is uh, behind the paywall at, at Howell but you get a free month if you go to Howell.com slash Colt and uh, I don't know you can quit after a month so it doesn't really matter if you want to <laughs> if you want to hear it KFAB, KFAB, uh, uh, dot com. I r- highly recommend the movie. I really enjoyed it. And uh, I, I can recommend two of the three. I just haven't seen the second one. I, I think uh, there's something for everybody in there. And if you have an appreciation of comedy wrestling or you just kind of want to know the method to behind the madness of comedy wrestling, it, it's great. And you're, I guarantee you are going to laugh. There you have it, everyone. Colt Cabana. Remember, the interview continues. We get into uh, some things from early in Colt Cabana's uh, pro wrestling career. We talk about Ring of Honor and WWE rumors, Colt on color commentary, and much more. Visit the main page of ProWrestling.net, and uh, you will find the info on how you can sign up for as little as $2 for one month to the ad-free version of ProWrestling.net. Great time to sign up. Our membership special uh, is uh, in full force, and we do not do these often. So, uh, as I've been saying, this will be our best six-month and annual membership pricing you will find all in, in all of 2017. So jump on it while you can. Enjoy the Colt interview. Enjoy ad-free access, our entire audio history at uh, ProWrestling.net. And as always, if you have any questions, feel free to uh, shoot me an email, .netjason at gmail.com, or... You can uh, follow me online on Twitter at ProWrestlingNet.